Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Trudy Benson is a young painter from Richmond, Virginia, who is based out of Brooklyn, New York. Since getting her BFA from VCU and her MFA from Pratt in 2010, she's shown at venues such as Half Gallery, Lisa Cooley, Retrospective Gallery, Horton Gallery, Denny Gallery, Speroni Westwater, The Hole, Halsey McKay, and many more. Her work has been reviewed in Art Forum, The New York Times, Art News, Time Out, New York Arts, amongst several other publications. I stopped by Trudy's studio to talk to her about her time in school, mystery novels, hip-hop and folk music, and her love of paint and painting. Here's our conversation. But I was thinking that you have a really captive audience more so than if you have a YouTube video or something like that. Because I always feel like I put on YouTube videos and then I start doing other stuff mm-hmm. and then I'm not really paying attention anymore. But yeah. I think a lot of artists like put on a podcast and then get to work and it's like that's all they're really... I mean, they're working, but yeah, the only can... media coming into their into their brain is the podcast yeah you can lose yourself in that discussion yeah kind of like I do I mean I do that with music yeah do you listen to music when you're working I listen to I actually listen to like bestseller um murder mystery novels oh really female narrators (laughs) (laughs) that's a really specific specific. yeah I get lost in the story and then you know even if their story is written horribly I I really want to figure out what happened yeah so are That's, you a TV fan? You're a TV yeah, fan, Yeah, I like right? TV. Yeah, I really like I think TV. I, did I read a... Did you give a list? Or I think I read an article or oh, an interview I did a, where you were talking about TV. Yeah, the art news. It was kind of like what media you consume in a day or a couple days. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of TV. <laughs> yeah. So what's your TV? Uh, right now I'm menu. watching this Netflix show, Marsh, Marshella, and it's like, um, it's based in the UK and it's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, I just saw that movie Girl on the Train, which I also read, which is mm-hmm. that similar genre, but it's kind of like a cross between Girl on the Train and, um, in Law and Order SVU. There's, it's like a crime police drama, but there's, um, there's kind of this like whole, whole back side story where you're not exactly sure what who's doing what and yeah. what's even happening so, so you're a mystery fan yeah yeah mystery yeah and comedy i like comedy comedy's too. good yeah good comedy's good like i really like the kroll show yeah and do you watch the late night show you know like john oliver and i've never i feel like st- i'm never awake that late yeah <laughs> i don't watch any I watch clips later. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I don't yeah. think I really watch... I don't want to be one of those people that kind of watch TV, but I really don't watch much TV, like, when it's on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A, Me I either. watch a lot of soccer, but, like, when that's yeah. on, like, I like to see that live because I feel like if I don't, someone's going to tell me what the score is, and that's going to be But, but as sure. far as, like, programs, I just... I'll catch up or it's mm-hmm. almost like other people are curating what I'm seeing, which is a little weird, you know, yeah. kind of like the Spotify list thing, but it's, it's like your social media feed, just certain TV shows or clips pop up and I'll end up yeah. getting lost in those. You know? Or even on the Roku, it's like, you might like this. Yeah. I and mean, it's like, actually I do like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're really smart. Roku. <laughs> you yeah. know what I like. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a curse and a blessing. I mean, there's a lot of people who complain about that because they feel like, everything's tailored for it's you it's kind or? of creepy but at the same time it's kind of convenient pretty convenient yeah but, i always wonder yeah. if there's a relationship between that kind of what you're exposed to based on what some algorithm thinks you like and then the way that you think about imagery in the past and if that's starting to be shaped and or curated in some way as opposed to maybe when we were in school it was just art history class it was yeah. this sort of you know, timeline progression. And it's like, oh, you know what? I really 
and, and into abstract expression or whatever it is but you, you would kind of find a an area you liked but based on a narrative of history but now it's kind of I would imagine like that I, I have students who you know find artists on Instagram yeah that and you and I have never heard or seen their work before but they're really yeah. into these artists and I don't think we ever had that when we were it was kind of like we had a little, I, there was a little something, there was like this website that's still around called DeviantArt, and it was yeah. kind of like, that's what people found, but it, it wasn't really like, you know, it was this very specific type of art, it was a lot of like, you know, anime art, and, yeah. but I think, you know, I think also in school that what, what our professors chose to show us was curated in a way too, and there's, yeah, that's true. there's like, so there was that kind of experience, but, um, but also we had like, you know, we were lucky if we had an art forum that didn't get stolen within the first couple of days. So it was mm-hmm. like really hard to kind of keep up with contemporary art, I think, and yeah. learn about it. There, there would be like two gallery websites I knew about and mm-hmm. I would look at them and that was kind of all I did. Yeah. So, yeah, it's totally different now. <laughs> do you like it? Or do you uh, feel like it's a good thing? I mean, I, there's so many possibilities. Yeah. There's like DeviantArt times a million you could just, it's a rabbit hole, you know? You yeah. could just get lost forever looking at things. Yeah, I, I really like it. I mean, I think from a perspective of, um, you know, even though I didn't have this when I was a student, I feel like I would have really liked it because you could actually see inside of professional artist studios. And I think it's, it's maybe it's not as much of a, um, I don't know, I went to school in Virginia for my undergrad and and so my exposure to professional artists was really different than what it is like here. And so I think if I had had access to that type of, um, to that, to, you know, just to be able to peek into artist studios, things might have been, I don't know, might have been more interesting. Yeah. But yeah. was there a mystery to it? Because you like mystery. Yeah, there was a mystery. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. There's, I guess in a way it kind of like destroys the myth yeah. of, um, of the art of the painter I guess more specifically but right which is yeah. a good and bad thing too right yeah it's like you know same thing with the canon like we knew the world of art through the canon of the art world right yeah and now you can go see aboriginal you know you can go on a computer and see aboriginal art from and be inspired from something that's never been shown or you've never seen here or you know what I mean like there's so much yeah um stimulus outside of the what is like the mainstream art world um canon of art you know yeah so it's kind of that's exciting in a way I think the scary thing is I saw the I saw the Mona Lisa this summer for the first time and it was like nobody was even facing the painting it was everybody with their phone and their selfie and and it's like that painting's okay I guess and but across from it there's this like huge masterpiece that nobody's even looking at like it's even though they're facing it, they're just right. They just <laughs> want crazy. that image of yeah. I mean, that's know, a whole nother topic. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been listening celebrity. a lot of, of people. Well, also too, I've been listening to a lot of people who are speaking about the phenomenon of living in the past. Like you do events now just so you have a record that you did it more so than doing it. Yeah. And I guess that's you know like there's this whole thing about being present in the moment and not living for the past or the future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I went, when I went to see the Mona Lisa, I couldn't even get to it. Yeah. There's so many people. And it was just that, you know, everyone's trying to capture that moment. And uh, that's happening too. When I go see musicians play where you can't even see them now because there's so many phones or people trying to take videos and you can't hear it on your, if you've ever gone to a concert and tried to record it, it sounds like crap on your phone. Yeah. It just sounds like bass rumbling, but I think it's, we're just, it's kind of like a pattern behavior of feeling the necessity to record that, to validate that experience happening. Yeah. So it, for me, it feels really good to go do something and not even try to do that. To just put your phone down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Step away. Here I yeah. am talking about phones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want to hear about this. <laughs> so well, let's talk about something non-technological. Um, so... This is great. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to see in your studio. And you're working towards a show in... Uh, yeah, in Geneva in March. Mm-hmm. So what's, let's talk about the progression of your work. What were you... 
When you were in high school, were you making art? Like when you were growing up? Yeah. Yeah? You were always into art? I, w- I decided I wanted to be an artist when I was eight. So nice. <laughs> always making art. Yeah. yeah. And how did that come about? Were your parents artistic? Or? Um, my parents are both artistic, They both, but they're not. neither of them are professional artists. My dad's, my both of them draw, mm-hmm. and, um, but they just really, you know, they took me to art classes and yeah. really like encouraged me to do that. Did so. they have creative professions? Um, no, my, uh, I mean, in a way, my mom majored in, in math. So I think math is pretty creative in yeah. a way. And I mean, especially like uh, calculus and that type of higher math. Yeah. But, um, and my dad is a computer programmer. So he's in a way pretty creative, but it's through this very limited, I guess, kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, but you can get that little hint of it. Yeah. You know, through drawing. I mean, drawing's a key, I think. Yeah. My mom colored in coloring books. She didn't, I mean, she worked for like helping women, like cleaning houses and stuff like that. But at home, she had coloring books that she would color in. So I think I just get that. It must have been through that. Yeah. You know, it's something as simple as just drawing. Yeah. And my dad loved to, when he would be on the phone, he would do those phone doodles. Oh, yeah. My dad, too. They were incessant. <laughs> like, as soon as the call, if it was going to be more than a minute, he would just start. And by the end of it, he had a little post-it note filled, like, packed with the sketches. And yeah, that's something that I think we, you know, we don't really do anymore. Because, yeah, we used to have the table next to the phone and the pad yeah. for notes. And then, so you're, you're kind of stuck there. So yeah. what do you do? Like, you draw or... You know, yeah, but it was kind of a uh, <laughs> a forced drawing exercise. Like, what yeah. else am I going to do? There's nothing else to look at, really. You know, yeah, like, not going to turn on the TV. And I have to talk to Grandma. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really have a TV in the kitchen where our phone was tethered to the wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had a notepad. Yeah, yeah. So they were probably artistic. They were artistic. Yeah, my dad nature. wanted to be an artist and then he just, you know, he didn't think that was a responsible profession. Of course not. <laughs> so he did, he did he decided to be a computer programmer. Yeah. So That's cool. So yeah. you started taking well, if you knew at 8, were you taking yeah. art classes or were just in school? You it was kind of like at 8 I was really into the lifestyle, I think. Yeah. I was like drawing, but I had a um I Wait, had How did you know the lifestyle at 8? <laughs> I had a I had a my first grade teacher who wasn't my art teacher, but she was like she had like dyed black hair and she wore all black and she you know she had this she, she had like, the look yeah she had the look yeah. she had like this really romantic like relationship and that was visible to us for some reason and yeah. so when I was an eight I was like she's an artist or I I don't I don't even know if she is or was but in my head I was like that's an artist yeah. and and so my mom helped me we just dyed all of my clothes black mm-hmm. and so I was like. Well, that you're was halfway my, there. Yeah, it was halfway there. <laughs> that's, that's first step. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah, yeah. that seemed really exotic, I'm sure, next to, <laughs> like, math class. Yeah, or, in Virginia. Yeah. yeah. So that, but I also was always drawing, and um, and then I started, I guess, I started paint, oil painting when I was in, when I was uh, in high school. Mm-hmm. In class or just outside? In class. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a good art teacher? Uh, my art teacher hated me in high school. Oh, bummer. <laughs> yeah. She so, really hated me. Wow. Yeah. Do you still, do you ever, <laughs> you send her an email for your I openings? I should. I kind of, I kind of want to kind of, you know, reach out to her. I've thought about it, but. Yeah, that's a bummer because I talked to a lot of people who had great high school art teachers. Yeah. They're like the teachers that can be the other side, you know, yeah. like just be free or, you know, not quite so, I don't know dogmatic about things you know yeah and I had a great one she showed me a video of Pollock when I was in high school and it blew my mind it's like this guy's painting on glass and dripping you know it just seemed so crazy yeah that I was really into that so she did have a really cool video in her class that I would watch but she it was like we found it um but it was the it was one of um it was the Dolly movie the uh, Andalusian Unchanded, dog yeah Unchanded, Unchanded, so that yeah. was like a game changer <laughs> yeah that's wow you saw that yeah. early <laughs> yeah you're just like what the hell yeah is we this? found it in the back room we're like can we watch this teacher said okay so yeah she no really was cruel was. showing you Dolly at that early yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so like um, so when you 
graduated high school, did you, you knew you wanted to go to art school then. Yeah. You already picked out the path. Yeah, I knew I wanted to go. I I grew up in Richmond. There's a really good art school there, VCU. VCU, yeah. So I got um, a scholarship and went and, um, uh, so I lived in Richmond, you know, my whole life until I moved here. But yeah, I knew, um, I almost did graphic design, but Mm -hmm. decided to do painting. Good choice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, graphic design is great, too. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so were mom and dad, I, I guess they were excited to have you nearby. They were, I think, um, you know, they do. They did the foundation year at that yeah. school. And so I got into school and I was like, I'm going to art school. And they weren't that happy about it, I don't think. Because they were happy to encourage me to be to do that growing up. But I think, you know, as my career path. They, Life decisions. Yeah. yeah. They're like, this maybe isn't a good idea. So I convinced them that I would be doing, you know, graphic design or something. Oh, yeah. Or, you could pay a bill with that. Yeah. yeah. But then after the first year, you just did my yeah, own thing. Once you're in the door, that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to worry about it after that. Yeah. It's like up to you. Yeah. So you enjoyed so, VCU? Yeah, I loved it. Good teachers. Yeah, great teachers. And good visiting artists, right? Really good visiting artists. And we also had really good facilities. And we just could do kind of... They, they really encouraged you to kind of mix your... You know, it wasn't just painting... Um, we were, you know, making digital prints and then painting on those and mm-hmm. doing, you know, things like that, making Multimedia, videos. Multimedia, yeah. experimenting. Yeah, That's so cool. it was really experimental. So all the while, in high school and in art school, what's the music in your life? Like, is it a big part of it, or are you are going out to see music, or was it kind of... Yeah, there's... So Richmond has, has like, a crazy metal scene, and Whoa. there's, like... Yeah. So Guar, Guar is there. Oh, yeah. And they actually employ a lot of the VCU sculpture students to help make their um, crazy machines. So there is a lot of, um, I guess the soundtrack to my undergrad was probably, my live music was going to like um, house shows and and Mm -hmm. going to see choir every once in a while. Oh my goodness. I didn't even realize they had a home base and a scene attached to that. Yeah, there's a total scene. I just thought they were anomaly. Like they just happened. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I have no idea how they happened, but yeah. I mean, I remember coming home one night covered in, in fake blood, and my parents were just kind of like, I was like, don't worry. They're like, oh, you saw Guar. I was like, okay. <laughs> you get it. Hometown heroes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah. so you were into death metal? Uh, I mean, you know, I wasn't really that into it, but it was the, it was the most fun thing to do. Yeah. So I was, do, I was there. And how far is it from D.C.? Um, it's about two hours. Oh, so it's not, that's not very close. No, not close. Because there's such a good music scene in D.C., I didn't know. But you would go there, I'm sure, to see art, right? You yeah. Go to museums and stuff. Yeah. Occasionally. And, and, and bands would stop through Richmond, too. Yeah. So um, we also had, like, a really good, on the whole other side of the spectrum, we had a really good, um, I guess it's still going, folk music festival. Uh-huh. So there's, like, lots of crazy... Um, you know, classic acts coming through. Yeah. So that's the polar opposite. I mean, yeah. You're getting two sides of the coin. Yeah. Death metal and folk. Yeah. That's cool. So, do you listen to a lot of music in the studio? Um, I used to listen to a lot of music in the studio, but now I listen to the books book, on tape. The mystery. Yeah. 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 The mystery books. <laughs> but I think the like the music can be really good in the studio, but it can also be really bad. I think mm-hmm. like if I. Like, I, I like a lot of, like, pop and hip-hop now, I think, is mostly what I listen to. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think that's the best, you know, music to paint to. Yeah. So, and then I also really like, like, old country, and that's, like, maybe too, um, you know, sweet or something mm-hmm. for the studio. So. It's funny, I get that, too, sometimes where I feel like the music should match the feeling of what I'm working on when essentially it doesn't really matter at all. Yeah. But I feel that it should. So that affects me. You know what I mean? And I guess that to you too, right? Because, you know, you can listen to hip hop and still make these paintings, but I guess it's that vibe that you're going for. So does, well, does mystery enter your paintings? It, I don't know. It's, I'm able to separate it, I guess. And usually it's like, I like listening to a female narrator. So I think the voice is like, just becomes like, something else but I, th- I don't think it affects my mood as much yeah it and as oh, like, you, so it's like you go to that 
story yeah as opposed to the music coming into your mind yeah you know what I mean? yeah so like if i've i've listened to like nwa in the studio before and made really bad painting decisions i think because <laughs> i feel like really pumped up you know yeah like this is a really it's like drinking and painting which i don't i also think is not a good combination yeah. for me but yeah. it's like there's too much to you think you're too amazing and <laughs> <laughs> You're filled so, with self-confidence and aggression. Yeah, in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's not the best. So mystery works out. Yeah, mystery, sense. yeah. All but right, so well, when you graduated from VCU, did you go straight to grad school? I had about a year off, and then and I went to grad. what was that like? Um, it was pretty miserable. It was, I, was, I was waitressing full-time, and I, um, I couldn't really afford a studio outside of my apartment, so yeah. I was trying to like paint in my bedroom, and Oof, I think I made about two or three paintings in a year. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, do you, after that experience, do you subscribe to the notion that you should take off time in between so you know how crappy life can be, and then you enjoy grad school, or do you feel like you could have just gone straight through? I think, I mean, I think the year was was good for me because um, I had a little bit of time for that kind of perspective and it made me realize that um, I needed to figure out a way to have a studio practice that wasn't, you know, kind of forced upon me or it wasn't, there wasn't a, like a support group around, yeah. around that. So, um, and so when I went to grad school, I, I really like focused on developing that yeah. studio practice that I didn't need to have, um, you know, friends in the studio with me or, right. you know, teachers coming to check on me all the time. Yeah. So. so you can kind of appreciate. Yeah. Appreciate it when you get that, but also be okay when you're not having people constantly in your studio. I think it's a yeah. big um, adjustment that people don't talk about too much is, especially for people who go undergrad and grad school close together it's like you have all those voices non-stop and then visiting artists and neighbors and all that in your studio all the time and then all of a sudden it's done yeah you know and it's quiet and I guess maybe a lot of people you enjoy that for a little bit because you've had so many people in your studio that it's nice to just go into your zone for a while but then I think it is important to have people to talk to about your work and have that support system and you know yeah and it's also important I think to be able to make work without like you know if if in the dregs of winter here there's not that many friends studio visits or you know it's like there it's important to kind of create that time for yourself and realize that that's you know how I mean I'm the type of painter where even if I don't have anything going on in painting because I want to keep my hands in it Mm -hmm. so I think it's important to like to be able to carve that time out for yourself. And yeah. Yeah, I think I've, I went through a long period after graduate school where I didn't... I had a couple friends who would come over here and there, but it wasn't in a couple... Stu- you know, the studio visits that aren't really studio visits, just people coming over because they're interested in your work, but a long time of almost like a hermit of just working and yeah. working and not talking to people until I show the work, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then after a while, I kind of realized, wait a minute, it is important to have that discussion, you know, and to have people in and talking occasionally, not all the time, but, you know, to not get too hermetic. Yeah. It's like a balance. Yeah. But yeah, that kind of happens naturally, I think. Yeah. And the longer you are somewhere and the longer you're set up, the more people you meet. But so you went to grad school at Pratt. So mm-hmm. you came to New York, mm-hmm. and had you spent time in New York before that at all? Um, well, I always loved New York, and there we had we had like the Chinatown bus even back then, which yeah. was like the overnight sixty dollar round trip. Um, Hold that, on for your life, bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would do that a lot. And my mother grew up in the Bronx, and so I think that there was like, I just always, you know, I I visited New York when I was in second grade and really loved it, mm-hmm. and so. I would just come up here during school, and I always wanted to live here, so yeah, I really liked it. And so it felt good. To yeah, live here. but I think that if I had spent longer out out of you know in between undergrad and grad school, I might not have made it here. Yeah. So. So how was Pratt? Pratt was good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a um, it was different than I expected. the The program was really big, and I think it was. Um, um, I guess what initially I didn't like about it ended up being really good for me as, as an artist, which mm-hmm. was, you know, the size of the painting department, 
and how I think the professors, there wasn't, you know, I had professors that I worked with that were amazing, but nobody was really breathing down my neck or like, it wasn't like, I didn't feel like a bug under a microscope or anything. So it's I not think, like high pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like what I imagined Columbia or Yale being like. It's like that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, that was good because I made a lot of, um, I took a lot of risks and I totally changed my work and, um, I think that, yeah, it ended up being great. You felt like it was an open environment for that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. It's it's kind of like, I think about, for some reason, I think of the analogy of baseball. It's like the Yankees, like if you play, they, they don't have a lot of room for that kind of experimentation. It's like there's always that pressure yeah. to make the playoffs and to win and win and win. And there's other teams that are from provincial areas where they can really like bring up young players and get a better dynamic and... That's why they often do well, but it's that pressure. So I think having that openness to be able to explore and, you know, tweak things without an immense, you know, microscopic look is probably a really good thing for your work, especially yeah. down the line as you in the future. Because if you get that habit of being able to push yourself, you know, yeah, then that can stay with you when you're not when you're out of school and when you're by yourself in your studio and you have confidence to say, you know what, I'm going to try that. Or I'm going to push it this way. And. And not really feel self-conscious about it. Yeah, it was fan. I mean, that was amazing. Well, what's and, how about too the the dynamic of only art school? Only art school. Yeah, like I never went to an art school. I only went to university. So I'm oh, always yeah. curious about the difference between spending that much time in just an art environment. VCU was a university. Oh, wait, that is a university. But we didn't have a football team or anything, and it was it was in it was in Richmond, so it wasn't like we had the col- there was no like college campus. So I've never been, I don't ha- I don't think I have that experience of like university. Yeah, of like yeah. going to the quad or I don't know. Yeah, so, but were you taking classes outside of art at VCU? Um, yeah, I mean I, we we had to take liberal arts. I I didn't have to take math because I took like really advanced math in high school, so I didn't have to do like math or science. Got that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> So I just did, I mostly just did liberal arts and fine arts and yeah. art history. The art history department was really great there too. Nice. That's good. Yeah. So you did, you weren't like art school, art school the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And I re- I was kind of a nerd. I like kind of liked taking, um, art, you know, art history. And yeah. Classes outside. papers yeah, and yeah. stuff. But <laughs> what was your favorite art history class? Um, it was like the Italian Renaissance, the first part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of how they're divided now. I think it's called the first part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Yeah. yeah. So that was that, my favorite one. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Art history is such a great, a great draw and it's a great thing. I think for, you know, I, I tell the story sometimes about, um, in undergraduate, I took a class that was just on Manet mm-hmm. and I, and I, that's intense. Yeah. And the thing is the class every semester it would change. And the semester before it was Kandinsky, and I loved Kandinsky, but it was Manet when I got to it, and I was really bummed out. I was like, you know, this is bullshit. Like, I don't want to take a class on Manet. I didn't really know anything about him, really, but, you know, it ended up being my fa- all-time favorite art history class. and it was, it was such a great experience that I think there's, like, little nuggets in that class in relation to his work that I still think about in my own practice today, you know? Yeah. And then I finally got to talking about um, the Mona Lisa, I went to see that, but then I went to Musée d'Orsay and saw the um, Déjeuner Solaire, that Manet painting, and like my all-time favorite painting. And it was such an amazing experience to learn so much about a piece, and then finally, you know, like 15, 17 years later to go see it. It's, Actually, probably more than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty incredible yeah. but to have that kind of experience. So have you been able to see any of that Renaissance work in person and have that connection? Um, no, I've never been to Italy, so I want I want to go. Yeah. You know, I think most of most of what we are looking at is there. There might you know, um, there might be some of it at the Met, but I don't really think so. But I think the true experience, hmm? it, the true experience. If yeah. you go to Italy, you'll really yeah yeah get to see some amazing things. Yeah, but That's I did cool. go see the Barnes Foundation recently, and I saw this crazy the Van Gogh like beard sailor painting. Yeah, and that was one of those moments for me where I was like, there's. Um, um, and that museum is crazy and so it's just kind of like finding that painting and being and seeing it kind of stuck in the corner with like all of these other things around it Mm -hmm. was pretty crazy yeah well that's a good good transition to talk about some of the things that are inspiration to you what kind of 
work are you I mean I'm sure you're you love all artwork or looking at everything but are there specific things that you're really drawn to I really like um, Elizabeth Murray and Lichtenstein and uh, Matisse and you know uh, uh, Jackson Pollock and um, the, you know my like art historical yeah things that I like um, uh, there's also I, there's like a group of painters called the abstract illusionists mm-hmm. there's um, Al Held was like the main guy but yeah. I like some of the other kind of peripheral artists yeah. in that movement too yeah Growing up in Pittsburgh, there was a gigantic owl held at the Carnegie Museum that before I was really into artwork, but I would go to the museum, that one always like knocked me out because it looked so weird. It was so futuristic looking. And which, was, which one was it? I forget the name of it. It was just, all, it was super. The shapes? Yeah, it was Black shapes. Black and white? No, no, it was really vibrant. Oh. It was this like Neo Geo, like yeah. you know, that really punchy color. It just yeah. looked like a video game. It looked like Hubert or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I had a long history of playing those kind of video games. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. But it, this is so big that when you're young and you see a painting that big, it's like confuses you. You're like, wait, you can make something that big? You yeah. Know? seems like otherworldly. Yeah. And it was, yeah, that painting had a huge effect. Do you know the painter Roland Rees? No. Okay. You should look into his work. He's a, he's a California artist and... Uh, I had him as a visiting artist when I was in undergraduate school, and I, I really loved the physicality, and you know, like he was really into paint. And they looked so much. I I was a jazz DJ, and I love jazz, and they looked so jazzy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really loved that about his work. And I remember asking him, I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, do you listen to like Miles Davis in the studio?" He's like, "No, I just listen to NPR." I was like, <laughs> totally let down. I said, like, "No, you have to be listening to jazz." But then I realized it's okay. His paintings are are super, you know, have that feeling of yeah of jazz to them yeah you know? i'm always surprised too that like jackson pollock didn't lift listen to like avant-garde jazz because you know sometimes they use his paintings for like free jazz record covers but he just really loved billy holiday and like yeah. music which, <laughs> yeah. you're like wait a minute it doesn't line up in my mind but yeah, yeah. so He's... with your with your influences and I would imagine that in graduate school you were getting closer to the kind of work you're i mean i don't mm-hmm. What was your work like at that point? In the, when I started graduate school, I was making these kind of, um, you know, glazed figurative paintings that were very flat and mm-hmm. like um, based on photographs, and so they had this really like f- photographic quality and um, you know barely any paint, and it was really into like mixing color and everything like that. And now, mm-hmm. um, um, and then I started making. In grad school, I I started making these giant head paintings, and those just became more and more abstract. And I was really looking at Marlene Dumas and like Dana Schutz and stuff like that. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually, I guess in between the first and second year, I um, I was kind of just I always I found that I was always searching for imagery, and then I I didn't really know um, kind of what you know why the imagery was important to me and why why figuration and why um why do we need to paint anything so i started making some abstract paintings like you know in the the hiding yeah (laughs) secret (laughs) secret paintings yeah and they were awful but i really liked doing them so i kept going and you know but i think that to me the i i kind of came to to abstraction from a very figurative place so there's you know the my use of materiality and I think the way that things are kind of discrete from each other there's like a figure ground and I think there's lots of things still in the work that um that I brought because of making the early figurative works Mm -hmm. so did at a certain point you just felt like wait a minute the figure's really not the driving force of these I just like the painting side of it yeah and you wanted to filter out that and focus on not yeah. formal issues, but just painting, like yeah. the act of painting. Yeah. I mean, they're celebratory. I mean, these are, you know, it's about paint to me. Uh, you know, yeah, definitely. I think it's just about exploring paint. But then there's also a big, for myself, there's a big um, connection to a certain kind of, a certain date. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Are there's like references of certain things that I've seen in the development of technology that I kind of relate to in these, and I don't know yeah. how much you want that or how much you're exploiting that or if yeah. That's I mean, I think about thing. the '80s a lot. I mean, it, that's like I think in a lot of the work, there's this very I don't know if it's if it's it's also my references. Like maybe it's also Elizabeth Murray and Al Held in that like period of painting, but um, uh, I did. I guess when I was making the, I'm going to back up a little bit, but I was making the figurative works and they, um, I was mixing different types of paint and different mm-hmm. ways of applying paint. And so that kind of became the focus of the painting. And at a certain point when I was making the abstract work and I was using, um, you know, acrylic and oil and spray paint and enamel and back then probably even more things, um, I, um, I started to kind of remember making paintings on the computer and how you know how that felt and how I I felt that I was putting paintings together in a similar way that I would when I was a kid and just you know doodling on the old Mac SE (laughs) and like (laughs) so because of that I I wanted to make paintings that were about that and and then I started kind of I had a show that I was um, that all of the paintings, the, the contact, the content and, um, what they looked like were, you know, heavily, um, influenced by digital imaging and, um, but I think, and so I think, and I've kind of stepped away from being that literal, I think with the work, but I think that that initial feeling of how I was putting together a painting and, and mix, there's, you know, there's no wet onto wet and how things were, layered and how things were discrete from each other um i think still has digital references and yeah it's just not as i'm just not illustrating that with the work i I think it's more just in the process now yeah so well a lot of that i think the the idea of the reference of that has a lot to do with nostalgia in a way right because if you're if it is illustrating that connection between the limitations of early drawing on digital technology um that's there's a nostalgia for that time period because clearly like digital um imaging these days is way different you know that's that was a very that was a snapshot in time of a very specific way that computers it you know were literally not able to make certain things you know yeah like it looked that way because they just it was only like five i remember having working on like a mac paint on like was it a classic like a mac classic i think it was called but it was one of the earliest macintosh and you could only do like five things on it yeah but there was like the demo disc that had i can't remember i don't know if it was i mean maybe it was lillian schwartz but i don't know who it was but there was like this demo disc of like i guess she worked for ibm so it was probably somebody else but the just like look at all this stuff you can do with our fill bucket of different black and white patterns and like It was possible, but it was like, but then, but then looking at the, I saw the Al Held computer paintings a few years ago at the new museum and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's moments where, where he just went in and kind of painted things in because Mm -hmm. I guess he couldn't get the line he wanted or something. So they're just like, or he, or he was just reacting to the painting. But I think that, you know, I think some of it had to do with the limitations of what he was trying to do in the computer and, and what he was trying to do with the painting. Yeah. So when people react to your work or they talk to you about it, are they, do you feel that they're connecting to it in a way that you're feeling about it when you're doing it? You know, Because I would imagine there, you could get a broad reaction of some people who think you're really having fun exploring the physicality of paint, and then some people maybe think you're making paints that are like quoting, you know what I mean, certain yeah. ways of painting. So it's, you know, because I, in my own work, it's there's a lot of flatness. Like I'm really intrigued by you know, woodblock prints, and I, I love a certain thin yeah. history, and yeah. like things to be very physical in a very thin way, you know, yeah. but a lot of people misread that as just being flat and no motion, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just not about painting. No, it's really about painting. Well, it's painting. a different surface, but it's all about the surface. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, I, how has your, because you know, we make paintings to communicate with people, and how do you feel that um, your work is perceived, or that it's... Um, reacted to like what's your I think I mean I think sometimes it's hard to get like a pure like gauge of someone's reaction and after you put out press releases or something about your work so I think 
I think when I was making the computer paintings, I was putting a lot out there, like, verbally. And now, you know, now that I, I feel that these are, you know, these are just all about painting. And I think that's what I was missing with that work is that nobody was talking about painting. And yeah. that's a huge part of the work. And I mean, maybe that's the only only part of the work, you mm-hmm. know? So I, um, but I think sometimes, um, you know, something I like is when someone comes into the studio and they've maybe not ever seen one of my paintings in real life and they're, they're kind of like, oh, okay, like yeah. this is a really thick painting and I didn't see that before. And it's about material and, um, and color. And like, you know, I think that, um, that's, that, that happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the gifts and frustrating parts about making work is that so much, especially these days, so much of it is encountered through the filter of a screen or, yeah. you know, reproduction and that you really have to see it in person to understand. Well, you know, I think that's a, that's a benefit to painting. You know? Oh yeah, de- yeah, definitely. No, the frustration is when people never see it in person and yeah. they have a complete informed idea of what you're trying to do, but then they don't actually see it in person. And that's where the magic kind of happens. Yeah. You know, the history of like the person actually made that. It's not just a picture in a book or a magazine or something or online. It's, you know, there's this history of movement and brushstrokes and layering and that's really integral to the piece, I think. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's sometimes that's missed unless you get to see it in person. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, that's the argument for painting, I guess. I mean, not that we need one, but. <laughs> yeah, no, we seeing them in person is is I mean even even with scale and everything everything is kind of like on Instagram specifically but other things it's like everything's kind of democratized it's like everything's like this certain size square and yeah. it's this like you know seen through this tiny screen but um and people think they know what what they're looking at and they're Act, they actually don't really. Yeah. Or, I mean, they might in, if they've seen it in person, but that's when otherwise, you know. yeah. Once you finally see it in person, that's yeah. when you really get to engage in that discussion between yeah. the artist and the work. Yeah. So, what about also the other thing that I'm curious about is your um, feelings about taste and beauty, because I think there's, I imagine that's a big ingredient in the work. I mean, there is a very, well, A, you're distilling it down to abstract form. So it's about color, form, paint. And then also there is a specific aesthetic, I think, that's going on here. You know, this isn't like, you know, there's an Agnes Martin opening up, a show opening up at the Guggenheim. And there's Mm -hmm. a very specific sort of vibe that you get from that work of this like introspective piece and, you know, quiet in a way. And and your work is not, is is very boisterous, I think, and yeah. and loud. I really love her work, but I yeah, I, I don't think it's anything like that. No, no, total <laughs> but, opposite. No, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, there certain work has a very specific kind of, um, you know, the taste or yeah. the the perception, the aesthetic of it has a lot to do with the content. So I'm curious as to what you're interested in as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of my biggest influences is, is Elizabeth Murray, and the the thing I one of the things I really like about her work is is talking, you know, talking with other painters about it, and they most of the time, you know, people feel really, really strongly about her work, and it's either they really, really love it or they really, really hate it. Yeah, and, and then I think people change their mind, and I think it's because she has that such a strong aesthetic or such as her style is like so her own and and mm-hmm. even and, you know after when she found out she had cancer it got even more insane and um like more intense and um I think uh you know I guess sometimes I I I, I can make a painting that I feel has has a certain elegance to it but those usually aren't the ones that I like making so I think there's um um, I don't know. I mean, I think I don't like most, you know, it's hard to talk about really, but <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't, the the kind of painting I don't like is usually kind of slick or like, you know, but then, but then I love like Ellsworth Kelly and I think that that work is so elegant and, and beautiful, but, but I also really, really love like the, those Frank Stella sculptures that, that are, um, yeah. just totally crazy and completely different than his early work. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I like, I like all of the bad painting in, in that, um, but, but I also feel that sometimes it can be kind of disingenuous to, to intentionally be like, I'm making a bad painting. And, yeah. Um, so I, but I feel that I, I, I don't know, I feel like I'm more of a boring kind of romantic, like I feel sincere, sin, like, I feel like my work is sincere in a way, mm-hmm. and that's, so... But taste is is, may, is maybe different than that. It has a relationship to that, but I think, um, you know, your taste can be bad, but it's your taste, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that painting over there, the one with the red, yellow, and blue, the black and white, and the beige, and the red, and the black, Yeah. those colors together for in a way like to be honest like they're just so jarring together yeah. <laughs> like they don't want to live in the same world or something like yeah. it's just so um crazy but that is really intriguing you know what i'm saying so yeah. it's this weird thing where like taste wise like i'm not wearing a shirt that has that on no. it <laughs> you know what i'm saying but but as a painting that's really intriguing that those those things are together and it it works in a very weird yeah <laughs> kind of like it's almost like their voices that are yelling at each other inside the painting, and that becomes really interesting. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you were talking about jazzy paintings before. I after I made that, I felt like that was like the jazziest thing I've ever made. Which yeah. <laughs> don't listen to jazz, but but I think you know I was also thinking about Mondrian in that painting a little mm-hmm. bit. So there's like that's maybe the the like stark primary color um, yeah. drawing on top. But yeah, it's yeah. it's like a conversation between. Monrian and you know like Picasso in the back with the black and white or you know there's like different it feels like different ways of working within the same painting which is an yeah. interesting idea I mean is that something too that you're conscious of when you're building a painting you're thinking of different because there are very different techniques within a painting that you're using you know yeah I mean I think um I've been th- I've been thinking a lot about um um collage and in these works, so um, and collage, um, I guess you know maybe memories of making actual collages, and and then also combining that with the pro- the way that I put a painting together and how that is very collage like. But I think um, yeah, there's there's like um, starkness, I guess, to certain parts of it, and. Something uh, something I like to think about in um, the studio is is me is um, making moves in the painting that maybe aren't the most um, obvious or you know easily expected thing to do yeah. in the work. And sometimes I think that can be a hindrance to making the work. Like I think some work comes off naturally and it, it shouldn't be maybe pushed um, just to be pushed. It's mm-hmm. like a kind of a teenage attitude, I right. guess. Yeah. <laughs> but some, but I also do like to think about that in, in terms of color choice. And, you know, there's, there's ways to think about, um, I don't know, about how to make something that isn't, you know, so, so obvious. Right. Yeah, no, I, and I love the idea of visualizing thinking, you know, mm-hmm. and like the whole time we're talking right behind you, there's this bead of paint that's really thick that's covered with blue mm-hmm. and it's kind of like that was an orange like trail of paint and then you're saying to the viewer in a way it's like oh no this should be blue oh, I'm going to make this blue yeah. and it's like you're visualizing that thought whereas if you change a color in a painting people might not know that you know yeah. it's kind of an interesting like um, history of process but like a very purposeful like here's my brain on display. Like I'm thinking that I'm going to change this color now and you can watch me change it, you know? Yeah. And it's deliberate too, because you, you could just scrape it off. You know, there's other ways to do it, but I love that kind of history and that, you know, watching the artist's brain think through a painting is a real gift sometimes because you don't often get to see that. It's usually covered or, yeah. you know, it's not part of that process. Yeah, I think about that a lot. I, I I've made a lot of paintings with you know things kind of highlighted, or I've you know look at editing marks and things like that, like phone doodles stuff like that. I think yeah. is is um, yeah, I think about that a lot. <laughs> I've always loved whiteout. Yeah, it's great. 
I still have some. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, whiteout. Yeah, know, it's, it's such an amazing thing. Yeah, and I love the way it looked. It's like I'm, and I love the way the ink sat on top of the whiteout. Yeah, it was way more pleasurable than the way that you, the ink sits on the post-it note or the, yeah. the it's piece like of shiny paper. And, yeah, yeah, and the one shot to me is always, has turned into kind of a. Uh, kind of a way out just a way of you will see there is like a way of highlighting something or of covering it up but yeah that's such a great thing Mm -hmm. so um well before i let you go why don't you tell people what you have coming up so they can check out your work in person because they need to see it in person so in new york i don't really have anything right now um my gallery just closed Mm -hmm. and so um but I think in the spring I might be doing, I have a lot of balls in the air that maybe I'm not ready to fully say. Yes, but okay. But I, I have a show in Geneva. Mm-hmm. Um, I will have a painting in Miami if anyone's going to Miami at Untitled. Um, and and I should be having some paintings in, um, not in New York in the spring. Mm-hmm. Great. So. And... Um, yeah, so and, and I just want to say that I'm so thank you so much for having me here. And also coming. the one thing I didn't mention about your work is I feel like it's such a unique voice. Like there's no one painting like this right now and it's Thanks. such a like mm-hmm. celebration of paint in a really interesting way. So it's amazing. Thank you. So thanks so That's much really for having meaningful. me. <laughs> thanks for coming. <laughs>